0: What's going on everyone at home? Welcome back to another episode of Booch Please podcast. We are back with another one, like DJ Khaled, another one. And before we dive into today's podcast, which which is going to be so value packed, I do want to give people at home a trigger warning because we'll be chatting about things like loss, mental disorders, and grief, um, specifically associated with fertility. I want to acknowledge that this is an incredibly difficult and sensitive topic, and that is why I'm also just so grateful that today's guest is here, um, and she's here to support me in tackling this very stigma-filled, under-recognized part of the human experience, especially the female experience. So just a heads up, everyone at home. Okay, I'm ready to move on to welcoming today's guest. She and I met through the wonderful community at Lululemon. (laughs) I feel like I just really was drawn to her warm, inviting presence. And also her smoothie bowl photos on Instagram are like no joke, like jewel worthy. Uh, We are joined by Natalie Yates. Yay! And she is a graduate of... The Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and she is a certified mental health integrative medicine care provider. That is quite an awesome title. I can't wait till you break it down for us. And like me, she is also a lover of food, and she believes in the healing powers it has for anxiety and overall mental health. So we're going to talk all about that. But before we get to it, Nat, welcome. Please introduce yourself. We're so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Corinne. It's so great to be here. Hey everyone, I am Nat, and I am so happy to be here today. Um, I am a health coach. Like Corinne mentioned, I graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition um, about three years ago now. So I got my health health coaching certification, and essentially I was just not really sure about where I was headed, what direction I wanted to go into. It was a very generalized course, which I loved. Um, but yeah, I just kind of needed to find more of like my niche market and my passions and, um, based on my own personal experience with anxiety and panic, I sort of shaped my practice around the powerful connection between food and mental health and how nutrition can really support us in so many ways. Um... Yeah. So, and then I and then I decided to get my certified mental health integrative medicine care provider certification. It's a mouthful, <laughs> um, and that course basically was a deep dive into um, the connections that um, are food and mental health, specifically for me as it relates to anxiety.
0: So much of that I feel like I can relate to, and unfortunately. Um, we're the lucky ones, right? We have made this connection between nutrition and mental health for a lot of people out there. They don't understand that quite yet. And and I feel like sometimes I can take that for granted. Like I just know that, oh, if I eat this, I'm gonna feel this way. But not everybody at home has that knowledge and and they're not empowered to choose food through that lens. So for you, Nat, what was like your aha moment when you're like, oh, this really impacts how I feel and experience reality?
1: Yeah, so I think my like aha moment was uh, on a yoga retreat in Mexico, actually with my mom, which seems... Kind of like this really big thing but it was definitely um there was a part of my journey where i really wasn't eating at all um and i was extremely tired all the time i uh, was down a bunch of weight there was just a lot going on uh, with my anxiety and a lot of food aversions and a lot of stuff that was just not allowing me to just consume food uh, made me feel really nauseous and stuff and so on this yoga retreat there were just moments where Um, you know, there was a lot of like whole foods and freshly pressed juices and, um, just a lot of like spiritual connections that were made for me as well. And that was sort of like that aha moment where I was like, wow, like I, this is my calling. This is my passion. Like I'm on this healing journey and I want to help women primarily through, um, some of these struggles because they're so real and so, um, common, I guess in a lot of
0: places right now. So yeah. Absolutely. Especially right now. And yeah. I love that you had your, I guess your inkling, um, in this spiritual experience that was away from home. Cause I feel like living in a big city like Toronto, the way that the environment is set up doesn't necessarily support or inspire mindfulness, especially when it comes to eating. So sometimes it does take removing yourself from this environment that you're in day to day to realize like, whoa, some of those things were not working. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, and that I could feel this good. And if I replicate some of the practice I've learned here, then I could feel this good all the time, even when I'm back home.
1: For sure. And I think the other thing that I would just like to say is that... Um, sort of where my practice is headed, um, which is what we'll get into in a little bit. But um, I just think that there's something to say about um, how we are raised and and sort of what we are brought up with and the foundation that we have with our relationship with food. Um, I think it's so important to actually be in an anti-dieter, um, household. We we grow up with a lot of uh, conversation around food and having cheat days and having good days and bad days and all of these things are just sort of ingrained in our subconscious and we just move throughout our days. So I think to really um, tackle the issue at its root uh, and create that healthy foundation, um, starting with motherhood and starting with the nutrients you're putting in your body as you Um, are carrying a human being Um, and then beyond that once you have that child um, how you are making changes and practices in your day-to-day to raise that human with those healthy foundational patterns and
0: these types of things I love everything you just said. And I completely agree. People forget that a human being's journey truly starts in the mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And there's this book called deep nutrition that addresses the epigenetic study of like genetic expression, essentially, and how food and the nutrients that you take in as an expecting mother, or even before you get pregnant can really impact your offspring and their offspring's genetic expression. So, there is such a generational mechanism here with, with food and, and, and that entire like study. It's so, so fascinating. And I love that you brought that up because it segues nicely into the fact that we actually originally scheduled this recording for last August, <laughs> but it was moved um, until now because at the time you were going through something incredibly difficult that's relating to what you just said. So can you tell the audience more about what that was?
1: Yeah, so actually back in the fall, um, I found out that I was pregnant and my whole world was just, I was so excited. And I actually went through um, one of the most isolating and shameful experiences of my life that was pregnancy loss. And why I say shameful, I still think I'm working through some of the why behind that. But the shame that was wrapped up in that experience was, it was crazy. Like it was just, um, it was so full and so deep rooted and the grief, especially during these times, I think was that much more isolating. Um, Not being able to see family and friends and sort of carry on with regular routine in life. Um, So yeah, I think I just wanted to meet with you and chat over this podcast a little bit more about pregnancy loss and um yeah just explain with the audience here that it is so incredibly common and I I had no idea when I went through this.
0: Yeah, I from uh, unfortunately a lot of my friends have experienced some aspect or some angle of a pregnancy loss and it's underrepresented. It's not being talked about and that's why I think that's part of the reason why women can feel really shamed ashamed or um, guilty because they feel like they're the only ones going through it when in reality unfortunately it happens really often Mm -hmm. um And I think dealing with that grief on top of a global pandemic where your support system isn't at your fingertips, you're not able to get a hug from someone when you really, really need it. So how do you think this grief and loss has changed you as a person and practitioner?
1: Yeah. So I think as a practitioner specifically, when we talk about nutrition, I think that it can support us in so many different ways. And I think that as a practitioner and someone who has sort of had this vision of going in the direction of working with moms and working with um, pre and postnatal care um, as it relates to nutrition from a complementary perspective, I just want to make sure that's clear, that it's always complementary. I'm not an alternative um, practitioner here, but, um, yeah, I think that, um, I think that nutrition is just, it can powerfully support us throughout these tough times. And I think that what I want to share is that the, this experience I thought was always someone's fault. Like I thought that pregnancy loss was I exercised too hard or I went in the hot tub too much, or I ate something that was awful for me or, and these, these types of things. And I just think that Um, after my experience, um, a lot of my learning and sort of some of the resources that I had access to around pregnancy loss were describing sort of that, you know, pregnancy loss is a lot of out of your control. And one in four or one in five women, depending on the resource you go to that experience this, um, it's actually as a result of some sort of chromosomal abnormality and your body just does the work for you and says like, this isn't going to work out. So let me just come back a little bit here as a practitioner, I think really focusing on the whole experience of the mother, um, through loss, through, through success. And all of that is, is definitely a a
0: direction that I'm interested in going in. Mm, Just supporting your client on a whole new level. And I think, you know, a lot of the times as caregivers or supporters, we can forget, even I forget this sometimes we can really draw on those personal experiences for empathy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's so important for us to be able to relate to our clients on an emotional level, um, especially when they're going through something really difficult um, and, and I hate the saying like everything happens for a reason or like this could be turned into a good thing. No, there's some, sometimes with grief, there's no such thing as a good thing. Um, but I love and I admire that you were able to change this and make it empower your career and make you an even better practitioner because of it. And I think you really deserve that recognition. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually um, I think it's, probably an important question to ask you because you're someone who's gone through it. What are some considerations we should all make before speaking to women about their goals or experiences with motherhood? Because this is such a delicate topic and this episode is gonna come out around the time of International Women's Day. With Mother's Day happening not too far after that, um, I think this might be something that we should all take into consideration.
1: Um, I think just when we do talk about these types of topics, it's just super important to focus on your unconscious bias and and checking yourself and asking yourself questions before you speak. Um, I think there there are certain things that can be very sensitive um, when speaking to a mother who has experienced a pregnancy loss. Um, Things like, well, at least you can get pregnant or, you know, um, this is so common, it's not a big deal or at least it wasn't for that long. I think that there's this innate, part of human beings that feel like they have to say something because they don't, it's like, they're like, I just need to speak right now so that they feel like I'm with them or that I, that I've heard or seen them. Um, when really, I just think that before speaking, um, just really making sure that you are aware of how that may or may not impact that mother. So Hmm. I think my recommendation is just in that sensitivity, just sort of, Letting that person know that you're there, letting them know that you see them, that you have, you know, you are there if they need you and that kind of thing. And just treading a bit lightly because I think that every single human being deals with grief in a different way and there is no wrong way.
0: You mentioned that people should probably consider a few questions, like um, to, to help filter their thoughts before they speak to someone about their mothering experience. Um, can you think of some questions that would pertain to that situation?
1: That's a good question. I think some of some of the questions that could be supportive would be like, how can I best support you right now? Um, is there anything that anyone can do for you that will make you feel a bit more comfortable as you go through this grief process? I think, I think even just some gentle reminders from friends and family for me that, that allowed me to just grieve, um, saying things like meet yourself where you are today, or, um, you know, take as much time as you need. Don't feel the need to respond. Just those little things were so massive in my day um, back when
0: I was kind of going through this time. So as someone who's also gone through grief in different areas, um, in my experience with grief, it I'm already expecting myself to heal really quickly. So if mm-hmm. someone else puts pressure on me to be like, oh, you're still grieving about that or you're still not moving on from that, that extra pressure is like lethal. It's so brutal. So when other people are able to hold space and say, don't worry, like it's okay. You know, take as much time as you need. That is like contradicting what I'm saying to myself in my brain. And that feels really good mm-hmm. because I need that perspective sometimes when you're stuck in your own head and grieve, can, everything can feel so small and so condensed, but it's nice when other people are able to expand and give you that space.
1: Coming back to... People feeling the need to say something, I think that there's actually something really powerful about silence too, or just like something very small, like a heart or, you know, mm-hmm. just like a very simple, small recognition that you, that
0: you are
1: aware of their situation huge. Totally huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What did we do before emojis were invented? (laughs) Like, do we have to speak words (laughs) to other people? (laughs) Thank God for those little hearts. (laughs) They say so much. Um, So you, you briefly talked about at the very beginning, your previous experiences with mental illness disorders, or um, just using food as maybe a mechanism for control or for coping. So this time around, when you went through this, out of loss, um, did you notice yourself maybe growing from the past or did you notice like the same patterns kind of revisiting you? What, um, what did you notice there?
1: Yeah. So I would say that, um, throughout like the very initial days, like my appetite completely was shot. Like I was not hungry. Um, but having the information and the awareness around how powerful food is, I definitely I didn't force myself to eat, but I did try to you know have really really small frequent meals throughout the day so that you know I wasn't falling even deeper into some sort of hole that I have previously fallen into. Um, I think the the relationship between um, nutrition and mental health, as I said, is my one of my biggest passions. And I think that um, having that education and that awareness really just supported me throughout those times.
0: One of the things I've um, recently begun studying formally is cognitive behavior therapy. And it's essentially the study of like the intersection of thinking and doing, right? how our thoughts lead to the expression of behaviors and actions in the physical realm. And it's amazing how much information we have about the science of brain chemistry. Of course, there's so much we still need to learn, but we know so much already. So it really is unfortunate that so much of our population still struggles with mental health illnesses when like information is already out there on how to, deal with and improve a lot of these symptoms.
1: Well, it's actually interesting that you said that. Um, I actually went through cognitive behavioral therapy um, back, I guess it was like five years ago now, when I was in um, sort of my lowest point uh, with anxiety. And okay. I it saved my life, to be honest. Like it was so powerful and so um, effective for me personally. I mean, everyone is different for sure, but I... I definitely have taken those tools and those practices with me on my journey. And I am able to recall, I have a little workbook that sometimes I will go back to, to just recall on and, and ground myself in the present. And, um, I think that that's, that's my biggest struggle is that anxiety for me is so future focused and creating, um, narratives and stories that, you know, obviously I have no idea will come to be or not.
0: What do you think are some common mental health barriers for people that are going through various stages of having kids, whether it's they're trying right now or they're pregnant or post um, postpartum, what are some things that you've seen, seen in your practice that come up?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I would say like there can be um, different kinds of prenatal anxiety, postnatal anxiety, prenatal depression, postnatal depression, Um, as well as some, um, obsessive tendencies, like I notice even within myself, I must say, like, um, when I did first start trying back in the fall, like it was, I did notice some obsessive tendencies about like what I was putting in my body or like how I was working out or how I was, um, sort of moving throughout my day and how that may or may not impact me. Um, so I think that that the, obs- the obsessive or compulsive behaviors can also uh, surface in this time in your life when you're trying.
0: Mm-hmm. From conversations I've had with friends, I've never gone through um, pregnancy myself, but from what I've heard from them is there, it's so easy to blur the line between I'm being careful and now I'm being obsessive because it's such a responsibility to take care of this life, this life force to bring life into the world, essentially. And so it is noble. It is an important cause. And so sometimes it's easy for us to justify in our heads, like, I should be doing, I should be this particular with my nutrition. I should be this particular with my day-to-day routines. Um, And they don't even notice that they're being obsessive or it's becoming anxiety inducing for them.
1: Absolutely. And I think the obsessive Um, thought patterns or these types of things that can sort of move throughout your days, weeks, months can really translate into anxiety um, and more of an irrational sort of standpoint on, on whatever topic we're talking about, whether it's nutrition or or working out or, you know, your environment or this, these types of things.
0: For moms at all stages, you know, expecting moms, soon to be moms, future moms. um, What are some nutrition practices or foods that they can incorporate just to help them address those mental health things?
1: Yeah. So I think that with this approach, I mean, I, I like to take a very bio-individual approach. So I like to really learn who the person is before I start to like throw out recommendations and that kind of thing, especially because sometimes people can be a little bit more obsessive with food and that kind of thing. And I really just want to make sure before I say, give this a try, that it's not triggering or that it's not going to set them
0: off in some other way in their life. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's something that I preach with my clients as well is like, you're going to be different than the next person. Um, Sometimes, yes, there are general guidelines, right? That's why those guidelines exist is they serve the population, Mm -hmm. but. at some point, if you really want to take this experience seriously, um, it it can be really helpful to have someone help you address exactly what works for you um, to just kind of navigate through the sea of information that is out there. It can get so overwhelming and so confusing, especially for someone who maybe doesn't have the foundation or the language to understand nutrition information. Um, It's very easy to get swindled up in buying like fancy supplements or like really expensive, outrageous nutrition kits when it might not be necessary for them. It might not even work for them.
1: <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs>
0: um, you talked a little bit about uh, the realities of postpartum depression before. And I think it's something that's just becoming um, more normalized, more like still not normal to talk about it. I'm noticing TV shows that I really enjoy, like Insecure on HBO, that are starting to address these, these sort of um, experiences. Can you explain the, I guess, the scientific and social elements that contribute to this phenomenon?
1: Um, well, I think I can speak specifically um, to a little bit about what's going on up here in North America. Um, I think that every asp- or every part of the world is definitely a little bit different. Specifically up here in North America, is it can be a very isolating experience. Uh, there are other parts of the world, I guess, where my partner came from. Uh, there was just a lot more community and a lot more help uh, when it came to uh, child rearing and and that kind of thing. So there were just more breaks for mom and um, more time to focus on themselves and not so 24 seven baby focus. So I think that with postpartum depression um, they're just beyond this, the uh, hormonal imbalances and beyond the gen- the possible genetic influence. Um, yeah. These types of things can just really come
0: up. Right. Um, I mean, it's a huge life change. (laughs) You went from taking care of yourself to now being fully responsible for another human being. Um, And without like an end in sight necessarily. Yeah. Like 18 years, that's a long, long time. So I, yeah, I can see why that pressure and that change in like just lifestyle can really be jolting for someone. Um, You can't ever like truly mentally prepare for it until you're going through it. And yeah, it completely makes sense to me, um, that if you're going through something for the first time ever, that's so life-changing, like, of course there's a chance that you might struggle to cope.
1: Definitely. And I just think there's something to say again, back on that therapy piece that that support if accessible to you. And again, might not always be, but I do believe there are resources out there that, that are accessible to the masses and offer sliding scale, um, you know, approaches in their practices and these types of things, um, that are just so, so, so important.
0: Mm. Are there any that come to mind? (laughs)
1: Um, I mean, specifically, I would say like midwifery and doulas are so incredible. Like you really just, at least in my personal experience, create and adopt a relationship with these, um, people and they carry you throughout your prenatal as well as into postnatal, uh, experience, um, and they're just really there for you. Um, I think that there's, you know, they're constantly reassuring some of the emotions or the, you know, question marks that you have around parenting or these types of things. Um, so beyond, I would say um, midwives or doulas, I mean, your O-G-B-Y-N. I think I said that right. Your are O-B-G-Y-N. Yeah. O-B-G-Y-N. <laughs> Your OB also is a really great support, but I would just say, like, the more the merrier. Like, if you have access Mm -hmm. or you're able or if there is someone that can offer um, some sort of support from every different pillar, like, I would just say
0: go all in one of the therapy resources I know of um, I know they offer financial aid for anyone who might not be like financially stable enough to see therapy um, on a consistent basis is BetterHelp. it's an online platform that offers like video consults or video um, therapy sessions and I've worked with them in the past and they're just phenomenal they have so many different therapists in their database I'm sure people can find one that works with them in there Um, so yeah all a lot of resources to go through doulas midwives therapists there is support out
1: there um to go off of that point um i've been in a couple conversations with people that challenge sort of my practice and say or question and say you know um it's it's a privilege or a luxury to be able to seek out these types of services or this Mm -hmm. type of help and absolutely there can be a bit of that I mean I like to do as many possible things that I can to give back to the community but I also like to just ask questions like you know when's the last time you ate out or when's the last time you bought a new pair of shoes or when's the last time you you know when's the last time you did something that was not a need an essential need Um, and just you know getting really curious around around that because your health like you said is is without health, we don't have anything. So investing in yourself, your whole self is, is should
0: be, should be a priority where, where it's not always the case. Mm, Yeah. Um, I love this quote from Gandhi. That's like action expresses priority. So a lot of the times we do a lot of talking like, no, this is important to me. I really value this, but like, look at your actions do they match what you're saying? <laughs> I'm really curious as to like what your personal nutrition protocols are uh, when it comes to like healing or making yourself feel better. What do you do?
1: I think meditating has become a huge practice of mine. Uh, it never used to be. I mean, I worked for Lulemon for a couple of years and it definitely became more normal for me, but it was not necessarily a routine. Uh, It's definitely become more of a routine and it has really, really shifted a lot of my anxiety. Drinking water. Like I feel like I've been chugging water this whole podcast, but drinking water, like there'll be days where I get through half my day and I'm like, I haven't had a glass of water yet. Oh my gosh. No wonder I feel just (laughs) the way I'm feeling, whether it's like tired or slower or, or that kind of thing. Um, And then I would also just say that i love to reflect on my days like i love to just look back on my day and say like how did i fuel myself not just with nutrition but how did i fuel myself uh, socially um my home environment my spirituality my relationships um and then specifically as it relates to nutrition i'll just ask myself questions like what did i eat today that supported me what what got in the way what were my barriers what were my roadblocks and that kind of thing and then I set up for tomorrow and I'm not too hard on myself about it because you know we're just gonna live here
0: (laughs) we're just doing the best we can (laughs) in the moment to your credit that that's incredibly intentional Mm -hmm. and I had a I had a conversation with uh one of my clients during their check-in this week where we talked about like are you living intentionally and she was very honest I love her and she's very smart like it has nothing to do with you know intelligence or emotional intelligence but she was literally like i don't know what it means to be intentional i don't i don't have like a relationship or experience around that and you know it's, that's another thing we take for granted is this mm-hmm. habit of assessing and critically looking at what we've done and whether or not that aligns with the life that we want to create not everybody does that. And it could be as simple as just taking 60 seconds to ask yourself some questions and see if you're on the right path or you're moving in the direction that you want to be moving in uh, versus the direction that your life circumstances are putting you in. Because um, that, that's very different. Sometimes we can be victims of our environments or the people that we surround ourselves with and we're not doing things out of our choice, our volition. We're doing things because we're influenced by others. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I love I love what you said about like taking back control and just asking yourself, is this what I want? Did I do something for myself today? Um, it's so important. And to your point about um, dehydration or drinking water, <laughs> I think is something like if the human body is two percent dehydrated, it will start to experience visceral symptoms. So you'll okay. get really parched, lightheaded, um, cranky, and you'll start to crave things like sugar and food when really you're just thirsty. <laughs> you're just parched (laughs) you're just (laughs) thirsty when you were first starting out on this journey of trying to understand nutrition and your relationship with it and how to use it as a healing force um were there any resources or books that you came across that really helped you or that really resonated with you
1: um very good question I would say that in my healing journey, I was the very stubborn type of person that needed to hit absolute rock bottom in order to seek the help that I truly needed. Um, So it was a bit more forced than voluntary. From that help that I received at the outpatient, um, outpatient mental health unit in the hospital. I was seeing a clinical psychologist and a psychiatrist, and I was doing cognitive behavioral therapy uh, a couple times a week, every week. I read a little bit of like the desire map, which is a guide to creating goals with your soul. Um, Actually, I've been getting into, my mom actually did this test called positive intelligence. Have you heard of it? No. Positive intelligence. And it's all around like uh, there's like this test you take, and it's about self sabotage, and everyone sort of has this like self sabotaging trait, and it's all about twenty percent of the population uh, runs on their most optimal, like strongest sense of self because they've combat this self sabotage or the saboteur um, in their life, and it's and it's so cool. Like I'm so I'm just getting into it. At first, I was like kind of eye roll because. You know, when someone tells you that you should do something,
0: you're like, I don't know. <laughs> especially if it's your mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. And vice versa, too. I tell my mom to do things all the time. and She's like, uh, no. <laughs> this was very
1: interesting. And of course, you know, you're reading about some of the really not so great things about yourself in this test, which is hard to face sometimes. However, extremely accurate, I must say. Very, very accurate. <laughs>
0: Okay. So fascinating. I think saboteur work, like shadow work, there's definitely overlaps across the two. Um, There's probably some of the most painful things that you can do, but they're also so rewarding Mm -hmm. because they're just addressing all of your blind spots as a human. Like, oh, you think you're this way? (laughs) Well, let me hold up a mirror in this very unflattering angle and let you see yourself. And you're like, no. (laughs) Oh. well, I just want to say a huge thank you for sharing your journey, all of it, um, the good and the bad. Um, none of it is bad, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the highs and the lows. The lows. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just so grateful for your candor, for your wisdom, and for all the advice that I'm sure a lot of moms or moms-to-be's or almost moms could relate to. Um, before I let you go and plug all of your information and where people can find you, I want to go through a round of rapid fire questions. Let's do it. (laughs) Are you down? Okay. Yay. So first thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? Yes. Great. Uh, there's only one right answer for like this first one. So you can't go wrong. Uh, where were you born?
1: (laughs) I was born in Ottawa.
0: Oh, okay. So not too far from Toronto. Mm Uh, what is your favorite animal?
1: Uh, my favorite animal is a hippopotamus, and that's because they are strong, they have a large presence, and they are awfully mighty.
0: <laughs> All of those are you, except for the aesthetic part of a hippopotamus. You're like very tall and like long legs, like, like a dancer, but uh, I, I love the other spiritual traits that you yes. embody. Uh, <laughs> how do you take your coffee? Uh, usually a drip coffee with oat milk. Okay. I, I do yep. love me some oat milk. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show to watch? Uh, favorite TV show to watch, like always,
1: Friends, is just definitely one the <laughs> background at all times. Um, but the, my favorite TV show probably that I watched recently is um, Big Little Lies.
0: Oh man. Yeah. That's a star studded cast.
1: Yeah. That's a goodie.
0: It'll get, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really good acting. Uh, What would your last meal on earth be? This is a good question to ask you because you're a foodie.
1: This is a good question to ask me. So I am a pescatarian um, and my last meal on earth would probably be like a tuna steak medium rare with um, sweet potatoes, like circle diced and broccoli.
0: <laughs> this is so this is the most healthy last meal on earth uh, answer I've ever gotten on this podcast. Uh,
1: I mean, who doesn't love pizza, but I felt like I should have a better answer uh, than pizza cuz you know. I,
0: <laughs> you can have both. It's your last meal, honey. You can do you can do a buffet if you want. <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Um oh gosh, probably
1: um killing me softly by Lauren Hill.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, You need to have musical talent to sing that song because it's got range. I definitely do not. (laughs) Could have fooled me. (laughs) Yeah, that would just be all yelling if I were singing it. Just one one pitch. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, what's your favorite place you've ever visited? You've done some traveling.
1: I have, yeah. I would say um, I did a camel trek throughout the Sahara Desert in Morocco with my mom. And my my mom's partner Dave and I would say secondly Haiti definitely Haiti which is where my partner grew up yeah
0: real spicy food mm-hmm. from Haiti and Morocco spicy in a different way yeah flavorful good very good food yeah 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 uh what is a quote that motivates you
1: um I was having a hard time with this one but I would say Morgan Harper Nichols is like my girl And I would probably just say something pretty simple, like remember the people who made you feel seen, remember the ones who helped you grow. Something like that.
0: Yeah, that's. I can totally see that being like a quote that you love. Just so people-oriented, very nurturing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: And I just feel like honestly with every experience in my life and every growth opportunity or challenge that I've encountered, it's been about the people that have surrounded me who's pushed me, who's elevated me, who's challenged me,
0: and that's sort of how I've come to be today. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is a a fun question. Um, Who would play you in your biopic? (laughs) Who would play me in my biopic? Yeah, which actress would portray you in a movie about your life? This
1: is actually a funny question because I don't know anyone I, no I'm being serious like if someone showed me Brad Pitt I'd be like I don't know who is that like oh I'm my like, God I know who Brad Pitt is but I don't know like face to name I grew up a dancer I danced like 25 to 30 hours a week and never watch TV ever movies nothing so I just friends people just
0: friends <laughs> okay so maybe Jennifer Aniston yeah. <laughs> or
1: Monica I don't even know Monica's real name
0: <laughs> oh my god I think it's Courtney, Courtney Cox okay there you go or something like that final question what is your favorite kombucha flavor or what do you think is a flavor combo I should try with kombucha
1: um I think my favorite I mean every time I've tried your kombucha I'm obsessed with it in <laughs> a while though it has been a while
0: oh uh, we gotta arrange that we gotta yeah. make you pick up
1: yeah seriously um i think the fav my favorite that i've tried is um blue spirulina lemonade or something like that it was like blue it was really awesome
0: yeah 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 that's yeah i can like picture the color it's gorgeous beautiful Mm -hmm. amazing thank you so much for entertaining rapid fire tell everyone at home where they can find you because you post awesome content and everyone definitely needs that in their lives
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at food for mood with a couple underscores. Um, (laughs) And my name is Natalie Yates, as Corinne said,
0: and yeah, food for mood. Yeah, and you can- Natalie at foodformood.ca if you ever just wanna chat. If you guys wanna follow the podcast Instagram, it's at Booch Please Podcast. Or if you wanna follow me, it's at kombucha.mami, M-A-M-I. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode. And we will see you in the next one. Bye! Thank you so much. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs>